It's time for the PowerMizzou.com podcast with interviews and analysis of your Missouri Tigers. Now, here's your host, Gabe DeArmond. Welcome back to the PowerMizzou.com podcast. It is Thursday, I don't know, January 9th, yeah, 2020. Right. And uh, um, despite the fact that football is in the offseason and uh, fans are holding a funeral for Missouri's men's basketball program. We figured we'd go ahead and continue to do a podcast this year. Yeah, uh, it's already the second episode of the year, and we were basically out of things to talk about. Yeah. But that hopefully it will change. <laughs> we tried. Um, it, we tried to line a few things up. It didn't happen. Uh, Gabe DeArmond, Mitchell Forty here. So uh, we went to Twitter, and I asked for suggest- suggestions. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. I didn't really like very many of them. Most of them were just talk about the basketball program. Yeah, so we'll too, do some of that. Yeah. Yeah. Way too like nitty gritty and, and boring. We wanted, we wanted more like off the wall ideas. Yeah. I wanted like, <laughs> where's the best place you've ever had a Reuben sandwich or something like that. Like Shapiro's, I, I think for both of us, at least for me, and it, I know you like it there too. Shapiro's no question. Um, the best, the best sandwich I've ever had is not a Reuben, a Cuban sandwich in Tampa, Florida, best sandwich in the country. So okay. go try that. Uh, Sure. But nobody asked us to talk about this, and I yeah. don't really know why we are. But um, so, look, before we get into, here's what we're going to do. We kind of came up with this. Uh, uh, one of my friends actually did suggest something along these lines, so he deserves a little credit. But um, what we're going to do on this episode, we're, we're going to run through not every sport, but a lot of the, the bigger sports at Mizzou. And we're going to play a little confidence factor game. We're going to give you guys one to ten kind of how we feel about where the program is going. Will it be where you guys want it to be in the next five years? Because, honestly, most of Missouri's programs right now are not at that point. Right, right, at least among the the major kind of revenue slash almost revenue. More spectator not, yeah, sports. Spectator yeah, spectator sports. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, so we're going to do that in a minute. We will spend a couple minutes first, I, I guess, talking about uh, – just kind of the basketball team, and and that'll kind of lead into our discussion of everything. But I, Tuesday night was that was not good. I, I I don't really know. There's no putting lipstick on that one. Right. Yeah. I mean, coming into the season, you know, you think a loss to Tennessee, not the end of the world. They were a good team last season. They brought back some pieces, but they had really not been playing very well leading up to that game. And quite, quite frankly, they didn't play very well in that game. Right. They turned the ball over 21 times, which is crazy um and and mizzou you know shot like 36 percent from three and and yet they just kept leaving tennessee players wide open and drew smith fouled out with more than five minutes to go second time he's done that this season second time it has resulted in a mizzou loss and you know they they really even with him on the floor but especially without him on the floor just have no one who can get them a bucket and that's what we've both talked about a few times now is the biggest problem with this team and here's what i thought happened finally and we've talked about this is going to happen sometime Yes, Tennessee had open looks, but other teams have had open looks at times. I mm-hmm. mean, let's not pretend that every shot has been closely guarded by Missouri. Other teams have missed them. They finally ran into a team that just made some shots. You yeah. know, I mean, Tennessee gagged the ball away 21 times in that game, but when they actually got a shot, they usually managed to make it. Mm-hmm. Uh, 53.5%, I think, for the game, about 50% from three. And, again, getting into SEC play – that is going to happen, and that is the problem with attempting to win every game 55-52 is sometimes the other guy is going to make some shots, and I was actually talking to somebody earlier this week. Three-point percentage defense is the emptiest stat in in college basketball. I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, that's fine. You're top 10 in it. But really, it's just more reliance on other people missing shots. Because as, as the person told me, good three-point defensive teams, like they don't let the good shooters get three-point shots mm-hmm. off. Right. Yeah, no, that, that basically was a large part of the premise of the, the story I wrote this morning uh, for our website was, you know, Missouri's played good defense for sure but you can't like expecting them to continue giving up whatever it was 25 percent from three which they were going into that game was completely unrealistic because you can always reach a point where another the other team can you know back up enough or spread the floor enough that you're going to have someone shooting in open shots like you said the best three-point defense is just limiting the attempts especially for for good shooters um and and so i looked at a few stats and you know these are not super high bars but if if an opponent shoots 40% 40% from the field or 30% from three, Mizzou is like, I think, four and 20 in the past oh. two two seasons. So, and like, those so, are not crazy. Right. If bars. you are even close to competent offensively, yeah. Missouri can't beat you. Basically, yeah. And and it was funny, you know, the, the thing that I, I pointed out in the story and that actually maybe gives some hope, um, but also shows that the solution is not necessarily better defense is the year before they were pretty good in those scenarios. They were about 500 Conso's first year. The, the This team and that team are set up very similar, very similar pace, very similar defense. That team just scored more points. That, that was like the team, only difference. That team had Cassius Robertson and Jordan Barnett and yeah. Dante Porter. Yeah. This so. team has Mark Smith who lights up Chicago State and disappears <laughs> in SEC play. I right. mean, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but if you look at the stats, it's true. Yeah. Um, they, and – you know, it's kind of like, what were people saying all non-conference season? Well, Missouri's not going to continue shooting 26% from three. This offense is going to get better. And I agree, it is. Yes. But the flip side of that is the other teams are also not going to continue to shoot 26%. And, they're yeah, they're going to score more and they're going to defend better. And, yeah, like, you know, Mark Smith's one instance of a guy who's just not put it together against high major teams. And, yeah, like, you, you just – you cannot expect to hold high major competition to – whatever it is that their line is like if the other team scores more than like 62 points it is this season or, or something like that you know 63 or more points mizzou hasn't won a game like, 60 i think yeah it might even be that i, I don't know um, I, I could have missed one but i don't think they've won a game in which they've given up six yeah so i mean it's 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 just not sustainable and you know like part of me uh, like on tuesday i agreed that with Conzo and the players assessment that the defense was not good and could have been better but I think that the more, you know, big picture improvement that that really is going to help this team is not better defense. It is, you know, making some shots, finding someone who can get you a bucket and finding a way to score 65 or more points. The the I mean, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to score 70 sometimes. Yeah. Uh, And the analogy I made and then we'll kind of move on to to what we're talking about. But the analogy I made on Tuesday night was Missouri is the team that pushes across a run in the first inning and then gets mad if its starting pitcher gives up a two-run home run. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't ask the defense to be perfect every night. Exactly, yeah, yeah. It doesn't work. So, so we'll start with basketball because that's what we're already talking about. That's in season. That's what everybody's the most interested in. So, basically, and, you know, I've thought about doing this for 20 minutes. You you found out (laughs) about it five minutes ago. So, I've got a big head start on you. So, I'll go first to kind of lay the the foundation of kind of what I'm thinking where we'll go with this. But – one to ten, what are what's the confidence level that in the next few years, I'm not going to put a cap on it, whether it's three, five, whatever, this program makes the progress that people want it to. And I want to be clear, the way I'm defining this for basketball, I'm not saying a Final Four. Right. What What is your confidence level in the next three to five years that this is a pretty regular NCAA tournament team? Because I've always said the goal at Missouri – 
three out of four years you play in the NCAA tournament. I don't think that's unreasonable, right? Mm -hmm. It seems unreasonable today, but. Yeah, I, I, I mean. Yeah, it's hard to define exactly what's like successful, but I, I was you wrote about this a little bit in your closing thoughts the other night, and I was thinking it during that Tennessee game too. Like it, it shouldn't be that hard to get back to where they were under like Mike Anderson. Like you're not asking for that much when you're saying, you know, be competitive, make the tournament every once in a while, take a little run, put people in the seats. Twenty three and ten. Yeah. Seven seed, have people care and know when the games are being right, played. Right. Right. So. That's that's step one. I mean, the ultimate step is, yes, you'd love to get back where they were with Anthony Peeler and Doug Smith and Lee Coward and Stepo and Sunvold and all that. But that's so far down the road, it's not fair to ask Conzo Martin to do that immediately. I think it is fair to ask Conzo to get back to Frank Hayes' level. Right. You yeah. know, in, in the next couple of seasons. So, I, my confidence level that, and I'll just define it, under this coach, because he's got Four more years left on his deal. Mm-hmm. And, and we need to explain this because this is all the questions I've gotten. He is coaching the rest of this season and all of next season. Missouri legitimately cannot fire him. <laughs> yeah, when we say that, we're not, like, joking. Like, literally, it's not possible unless Without he, like, gets arrested. breaking the contract <laughs> yeah. or unless he does something that Consul Martin has really never done in his whole life. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so, and even after that, I don't see Missouri paying a guy $6 million to go away after year four. He's coaching. He is, as of today, he is at the most 50% of the way through his Missouri coaching career unless he leaves on his own, Mm -hmm. which I I don't see him doing. So my confidence level that he he can get it back to the point we're talking about, I, I think it's somewhere around a seven. Like in this league... With the talent that's around, I I am confident, and I feel like I've been probably less high on Conzo through two and a half years than most people who follow this program. But I'm fairly confident he can get this thing to, yeah, the NCAA tournament is, that's usually what we expect. We're not always there, but we're usually going to get there. Um, I don't have a whole lot of confidence that it's going to be a top three program in the SEC. They're going to play in elite eights and things like that. Mm-hmm. But just getting back to the level we're talking about, that that at least people will quit saying, well, look where we were three years ago. At least this, this is better than that. I, I'd i go about a seven. Yeah, I'm probably a little bit lower. I, I think I'd put myself around a five or a six. I'll say five because I think – I think it's very feasible. Like it, like it just shouldn't be that difficult to do. Um, you know, we were talking the other night. Like two thirds of the SEC at least does not care about basketball. Right. Um, and, and you know, there's some good coaches in the league, and the league's been better the last few years. But just from a fan support perspective and, and stuff like that, like Missouri should absolutely be in the top half of the league at all times. I think top four. Right. Yeah. So that that's a, an advantage. Um, and, and you know, I do. I, I think. Like, in theory, kind of the way Conzo is trying to build this roster makes sense to me. Like, you know, just really getting your guys into the program and and trying to, you know, get the majority of the contribution to be from third and fourth year players. And uh, and, and obviously that's a process. Um, definitely the thing he needs to get it, I think, to that next level more than anything is just one guy to to take over as kind of the the scorer, the go-to guy who can, you know, make a Drew Smith and, and a Javon Pickett like the second and third options versus the first look, and second options. Look at Georgia. Yeah. Top to bottom, I would guess Missouri has a better roster than Georgia. Mm-hmm. You know what they don't have? 
Anthony Edwards. Yeah. So to get to that level, yes, you've got to have a minimum of one of those guys, and you've got to really have one of those guys every two or three years. Yeah. So I think the reason I'm at a five is, one, he hasn't yet shown that he can get one of those guys to Missouri. doesn't mean he can't, but I think I'm about 50-50 on whether or not he can. Two, the other thing, I mean, this there's no help on the horizon as of right now, you right. know? I th- this recruiting class is far from finished. There will be guys, at least one more, I'm sure they'll take in the spring. But right now, you know, you're, you're replacing definitely Reed Nico, quite possibly Jeremiah Tillman uh, and whatever other defections with, you know, a guy who, who is a project at best down low. And that's the, the weakest point on the team right now is, is right. down low. So I'm, I'm worried about, about next season and about just kind of the, you know, the help that, that's on the horizon. Okay, so to finish up on men's basketball, let's say, and, and here's what what I think, this is the difference between men's basketball and football, which we'll probably save for last, is that with Eli Drinkwitz, like, there is the ability to have the blind optimism because there's no track record. Right. My concern with Conzo is there is a track record at this point, and so what if this program gets to where Tennessee was? Mm-hmm. Let's say two years down the road, they're – a 20-ish win team. I, I forget if he made one or two tournaments in three years there. Yeah, he, he definitely made one Sweet He made 16. one because he made one yeah. at Tennessee, one at Cal, and one here. Yeah. So what if this program gets to, you know, 20-ish wins, a tournament every three seasons, high seed in the NIT the other two seasons? Is that Okay. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's there. I think it, he, I mean, it's good enough to stick around right, for a it, few it, years. Yeah, it seems like it'd be unlikely to, to get him fired, at least for a little while. It depends like how long I guess that sustains. Like, I think for, you know, like, you know, say the next three seasons, if that's the that's path okay. over the next three seasons, I think that'd be OK. But yeah, you hit a certain point right. where it's like, OK, we're no longer comparing you to Kim Anderson. You've been here for five, six, seven years, you know, and, and the one the thing at Tennessee, he, he had a good run in that tournament. He barely they barely made it, though, that went, that year he made it. They oh, were like they were in a playing game. Yeah, they yeah. were they were one of the last four in. So uh, so certainly like, you know, you, you would hope for a little more security in that maybe maybe you know if you make it like eight seed or better a top you know half seed um but yeah i don't know i I think that would be okay for a while but not certainly forever probably for the next three years but not for the three beyond that that's Um, my guess yeah and and then just kind of last thing you know it's pretty interesting i I think in seeing a lot of the conversation because there is a kind of a big split i think we're just now starting to see people going hang on i i don't i don't like this this isn't good enough and it's hard to reconcile the two sides of this discussion, which number one is it's been so bad for the last five or six years that this isn't good, but it's better versus, you know, and, and that's probably people your age, like don't really, you don't really know Missouri is a good basketball program, right? right, right yeah. I mean, that's fair to say. Now, people closer to my age, I think the the problem people of that generation are having is, no, see, I've seen this done here. This mm-hmm. a, Missouri has done it, not only done it here, but done it in a better league than they're in right now. Yeah, there is it, basketball is one of the few sports that I do not think it's unreasonable that the expectation is compete for conference championships. Mm-hmm. I, I absolutely, I don't think that's a reasonable goal in football year in year out. I think it is one in basketball, and, and that's where we need to go. Now, like I said, my confidence level that it gets there is probably closer to a four. My confidence level that it gets a little above where it's at now is is closer to a seven. So as long as we're talking basketball, let's go over to women's basketball next. Obviously, I, I think they're four and 11 right now. Um, They beat LSU, but uh, 
my my confidence level that in the next five years this ever gets back to where it was Sophie's senior year is probably about a two and a half. Okay. Yeah, that's. I, I think I'm higher than that. Although, I mean, like, because – Getting back to where they were, like a seven seed, five, like, you know, they were what, six or seven seed through the last three years in the NCAA tournament? I think they were a five one. Yeah, yeah, five, six, seven. I, I don't think that's impossible. I could see them getting back to that point at least once, maybe not consistently. Um, but I, I don't, I think, you know, the next step, obviously, and they've talked about this, even Robin Pinchton talked about it this season before the season with us is, is hosting. My confidence level they get there is probably where you are about a, a two or a three. I think, I think I could see them, you know, this is clearly a, a bit of a rebuilding year and obviously they miss Sophie Cunningham but Robin Pinston's I don't think she's going anywhere um no. and I think that you know she's obviously got some talent as long as she can keep keep that talent on the roster and I think she has another decent recruiting class coming in I don't and, think it's crazy to believe that they could be a you know a six seed or five seed in the NCAA tournament a, a couple times in the next few years so I, I'll say I'm like a six I think it's difficult for two reasons one the SEC is one of those it, women's basketball is one of those sports where I think competing for league titles every now and then, but on a regular basis, not very realistic. And that's a program where in somewhere around 2000, the early 2000s, Cindy Stein made kind of a miracle run to the Sweet 16 as a a 10 seed, I think. Other than that, like that program was just dead until who showed up? The best player in the (laughs) history of the program. Yeah with two high school teammates who had been part of four state titles and a transfer point guard who was also pretty damn good. And, oh, by the way, her sister, who, I mean, yeah. I, this, I, I think if you talk this century, like five of the seven best players all played the last four years, yeah. and that's still only the level they got to. That's true. That's true. I guess, I don't know. I mean, I certainly am not going to pretend to be a, a expert uh, on this team, but <laughs> I, I guess I'm, you know, putting some faith in that, you know, these freshmen, A.J. Blackwell and Haley, Haley Frank can develop to be, you know, close. I don't think they're going to be Sophie Cunningham good, but they could be close if they stick around. And, and it depends, I think, what we're defining as, you know, where they reach. I, I think, you know, yes, I, I would not be as confident that they, they make the step of, like, reaching the Sweet 16, but I think they could get back to, to making tournaments, you know, about half the time and, and maybe, you know, being a five to seven seed. I don't think right. that's out of the question. Which is certainly an acceptable level that is always going to keep the coach secure in her job. Absolutely. Um, all right. Uh, other sport that's going on right now that we'll talk briefly about wrestling. I, they're like five and four this year. This is a down year for mm-hmm. Brian Smith's program, a program that hasn't had one in forever. And the bar has been set there. So we're not talking about getting back to like being good. We're talking about getting back to national championship contention. I, Dude, I've got like a nine with Brian Smith. Same, yeah, I was about to say the same. I mean, I don't think I, I think it's unlikely they ever win a national title. I, I don't know a ton about wrestling, but as it's been explained to me, you know, some of these Big Ten schools like Penn State and Ohio State and Iowa, they just play on a different playing field with, you know, they're getting like five of the top nine recruits in the country or something like that and, and you know, maybe have a bigger budget for the they're, sport. They're but, Alabama and Clemson. Right, yeah, but I think, I think I yeah, I mean, Brian Smith absolutely earned himself a, a down year or two. He's, he's you know, shown to be an incredible coach, program builder. I, I think they will definitely get back to that point. The other one that's, that's already over, Missouri Volleyball, made the NCAA tournament again, but coaching change. We're not talking about going to another level with this program, I guess, confidence level that Josh and Molly Taylor kind of keep it where it's been yeah I don't know I mean you know it's it's always hard to say like how much obviously of of anyone's success is due to the foundation they inherited versus what they're able to do with it I think it helps that you know you know Molly Taylor's 
parents are like, the ones right. who built it. So she, she literally inherited it. She yeah. she can yeah she can she has a pretty good resource uh, if she needs you know someone to to kind of offer offer guidance or help. I I would say I'm like you know seven seven eight maybe uh, in that they can just keep it around where it may dip a little bit. Um, but but I I think you know like I said like. It's not like they're they're trying to you know vastly change the culture or anything like that. They're going to keep doing what Missouri's been doing. So uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about it. All right, we'll jump forward before we mess with football at the end. We'll talk about the two spring sports. We'll start with softball. Um, and the bar there is: can you get back to what Aaron Earlywine had going? Um, and that is regular NCAA tournament hosting regionals playing in super regionals, sometimes going to college world series. Um, my level of confidence that they can do that. I, I I'm torn on this one because my initial reaction is like a, a four in the sec. It's really good. I think it's hard to do, uh, you know, the further North you get, but the flip side of that is more than any other sport. If you get one player, you're there. Chelsea, I mean, Chelsea Thomas had good talent, but Chelsea Thomas single-handedly almost pitched a team to the College World Series a couple of times. So if you get that one dominant pitcher, like on that level, my confidence level's a nine. So I guess I split the difference and go like six and a half. Sure. Yeah. And also, I mean, like, you know, we've been pretty fluid with the timeline we're setting for these sports. But if we're talking about like right. in the lifespan of this coach, like unless Loris Anderson gets hired somewhere else, I'd be stunned. To, like she's not getting fired anytime Pro softball soon. League you know? Yeah. Right. Like I don't know what, what other options there are for a softball coach that there's more like blue blood schools that could lure her away. But like, you know, she, she obviously you've got to deal with the, the postseason ban this year. But she, she already did a good job uh, at last season at Missouri with a team that was picked to finish last in the yeah, sec year one way better than people. yeah as you mentioned you know it's a hard league but I, I feel i feel pretty good maybe not consistently getting to that level but that, that she could have a run to get you know one or two seasons where they uh where they're able to do that yeah i'll say i'm like a seven all right so the other one is is baseball and i have a feeling i'm going to depress some people here <laughs> and it's really not an insult to steve beezer the the bar here the way we're defining this can you get back to what tim jameson had in the mid-2000s which is pretty good NCAA tournament team they hosted a regional they were one win away from the college world series with their best pitcher on the mound uh in the supers and Chris Dominguez hit 19 home runs one day but where do you get where do you fall there yeah I'm like a two I I yeah we're gonna be in the same boat the thing is is it's just the SEC is baseball crazy every other school has a warmer climate and more support and it's just it's it's almost impossible to see Missouri competing regularly could it could it line up where they have one special season sure but consistently the other programs are going to recruit more they're going to have more support they have better facilities it's just it, it's it, you're asking for kind of the impossible for you know regularly being like a top half team in the league it's the exact opposite of men's basketball for me it's you are there are i i don't know if there are 14 i guess 14 teams play baseball in the sec i can't remember maybe 13 i feel like there's like one missing i feel like maybe somebody doesn't but i don't know but anyway the point is all i looked it up since 1999 the only schools in the sec that play baseball that have not been to a college world series are kentucky and missouri that's it. Yeah. You know, and and they're also the northernmost too. <laughs> right. And uh, you go to some of these. I've been to baseball games at South Carolina, at Arkansas. I mean, it it really feels like a different sport. It, it's not the same thing as if you go over to Taylor Stadium. And 
I think Steve Beezer could be an amazing coach and never get Missouri back to that level they were at 12 years ago. Right. Yeah, they're just I mean they're the the teams they're playing regularly in conference play are just they're on a different playing field as far as facilities and recruits. In, in the words of of Rick Pitino, Aaron Crow and Max Scherzer ain't walking through that door, <laughs> you know. So if they do, that changes the picture a little bit. Um all right, so we say football for last cuz it's the other one that we'll probably spend the most time on and it's I I don't know. You could fall literally anywhere here because who has any idea we're talking about a coach who has coached for one year and it's hard to have called it his program. Right. Yeah, it's it's in no way an, an analogous situation really to Missouri. He took over a team with a ton of talent at a way different level with, you know, a lot less expectations and and you know right, people like- 12 and one's a hell of a season, but I think that's probably kind of what was expected. Yeah. And also, you know, he didn't have an administration paying him $4 million a year there too, which uh, raises the ante a little bit. Yeah. So, so I guess the level we're talking about is 2006 ish to 2014. You know, can you get back to the floor is eight wins? The 10 wins is not out of the ordinary you're playing in league title games and I, I we're not going to put a time frame on this one just can will Eli Drinkwitz do that here what's your confidence see I, I feel like this is kind of a cop-out but I'm going to go with like a five right in the middle because I could totally see it both ways I might go I might slide down to a four just to say this but I think I could see him see it happening I could absolutely see it happening I think it's very Eli Drinkwitz could be a, a really good coach he has seems to have a high upside I think that the people who are really optimistic have reason to be um, and he, you know, he seems bought in with, you know, comfortable with his own system and, and he's going to make, you know, lay a foundation, all that. He said all the right things. I just think it's probably less likely to happen because of the sec. And I think the East is, is, you know, on its way up when, when Missouri did bu- the bulk of that, they were in the big 12 North, which was not a super strong division. Then they had the couple runs in the sec East when the East was just, it was really down. And, you know, like 2014, Missouri was, was just not that good of a team. And, and I think if they were that level of a team this year, there's, there's no way they were going to, you know, beat Georgia or Florida with the level of team they had in 2014. And, you know, I could see Missouri having it line up maybe once where they, they, they you know, say they get a, win the tiebreaker over Georgia or something like that, have one loss in the East. But consistently, you know, you're talking about Georgia's a, a really good program. Florida's a really good program. Tennessee seems to be moving up. Um, you know, Kentucky's been very solid over the last, you know, five or so years. Like, it's it's a tough league to compete in right now. It's a tough division in a tough league. So yeah. that that's just my main thing is is it's it's a, a lot of competition. My, yeah, my level of confidence that he is better than Barry Odom was here is like an eight and a half. Yeah. I, I, think, I think they will be better. Um, my level of confidence that they get to the Gary Pinkle level is probably a three. And mm-hmm. there, there's two reasons for that. Number one, you know, I was talking to somebody during the coaching search, and, and they were talking about how it, when, when Pinkle retired, everybody wanted to say, well, who's the guy who can take us to the next level, right? Like, Pinkle got them very, very close to the highest possible level, and and who can take us to the next level? And, and I've said this over and over. There is no next level from what Gary Pinkle did at Missouri. The only next level is winning one game, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not a next level. That's just a catching it on the right night. Mm-hmm. So, A, we're talking about can Eli Drinkwitz be 
arguably the most successful coach in school history. No, my level of confidence in that is like a three. Right. Um, and it might be lower than that. Yeah. Here's the other reason it's at a three. Because I think if Eli Drinkwitz does get it to the point where they've done that a couple times, yeah. I don't think he's going to be the coach at Missouri. I agree with that, yeah. I, I, I do want to clarify, like, yeah, I, I was not saying I was a four that he would be better than Barry Odom. I think that's a very attainable, right. more realistic. But, yeah, it's just that, yeah, and you make a good point about him likely moving on if he were to, you know, string and, a couple 10-win seasons And that's together. okay. Like, yeah, that's not absolutely. a reason not to oh, hire you're, you're thrilled with that if you're Missouri because, you you know, you had a couple really good seasons, probably energized fan support, and someone paid you a lot of money to probably, hire him. And you probably have some money to hire a good replacement. Exactly, which, yeah. Frankly, they I'm not sure they've had the last few years. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess I guess we both fall kind of kind of below a five there. So I don't know. I guess if we averaged out all of our things, it would probably be right around a five. And yeah. if you take Brian Smith out of it, probably slightly below. below. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. He's he's been very consistent. The rest of the Missouri Athletics Department has not. <laughs> One more on uh on football and drinkwoods that I, I thought about while you were talking. So this is going to sound weird. I think his best chance to get to that level, to win 10 or 11, and get to an SEC title game, I think it might be this year, year one. Interesting. Because I did you think Jake Fromm was going pro? Uh, yeah, I mean, I knew it was a possibility. Um, definitely, if you had asked me before this season, I would have thought so. Uh, not not there, maybe so much after the year, but it, I was not stunned. But then their backup quarterback is leaving. Right, right. Uh, so, look, Georgia's going to get somebody good, I'm sure. They probably already have somebody good. Yep. But Georgia took a step back this year from last year. I think they might take one more. Now, they'll get back. But I, I, I think next year might be the most beatable Georgia team. And, look, Florida is is certainly on the rise. Um Tennessee is is better, but nothing that necessarily terrifies you. Yeah. So I think his best chance to win the East at Missouri might be year one if depending on who he picks and what he's got at quarterback. Yep. I was just about to say that because I, I agree very much with your logic about the rest of the league. Uh, it, it should be pretty wide open this year. And you could see those teams you mentioned, you know, Georgia, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, beating up on each other and giving like each other a loss. maybe this is the year Florida loses a couple games by a touchdown instead of wins a couple. Right, yeah. And, you know, you see, yeah, exactly. Uh, stuff like that where the, those teams each give each other a loss. But I just, I don't, I don't know about the quarterback. That's the big thing. And, you know, obviously Eli Drinkwitz is an offensive guy. He's told us how important the quarterback is to his system. We don't know if he, he has – I mean, Sean Robinson might be good. We have not seen right. it. And, and um, that's where – like, we've got two shining examples that please don't believe uh, – let's not sell out on Sean Robinson hype before the season. Exactly. Right? Like, we're yeah. not going to write that because I I have absolutely been told some crazy hypish things about Sean Robinson. But, like, I just saw a transfer quarterback – who everybody told me was the answer, and he wasn't. And mm -hmm. in basketball, the best player, I think Drew Smith is a good basketball player. I think he is Missouri's best basketball player. I just don't think he's what everybody said he was when nobody could see him and nobody had the proof to say he wasn't. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, it's kind of similar in that, you know, Drew Smith and, and Kelly Bryant both, like, they could you could see a scenario where they could have, like, led a successful team, but they would have needed more around him. And But, like, you know, everyone just thought, like, oh, that's the one piece we needed. Like, it, it just is not the case. And I think probably that's the case still with football. Like, quarterback's really important, and it's probably, you know, the biggest question mark on the offensive side of the wall. But, like, the offensive line 
who knows what's going to happen there. You know, they lose three starters that the line as a whole wasn't very good last year that we don't know who the position coach is going to be. So there's there's some questions on on that offensive side of the ball. And, and we don't yet know for sure what the rest of the roster is like. Look, there mm-hmm. will at some point be some transfers. Now, yeah. your hope is that it's not impact starting players, mm-hmm. but we don't know that. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's, you know, there's a lot of questions. I'm kind of more excited probably for spring football than I have been, you know, the last few years, just to, to kind so of like see a two as opposed to a one. Yeah. Maybe a, a one <laughs> instead of a point one. Um, <laughs> but you know, like it, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what changes on the offensive side of the ball, who's playing where, you know, kind of with the, the clean slate of a new offensive staff, if some, some guys who kind of didn't have opportunities as underclassmen before start to play more who leaves. So there's a lot of questions. Um, and like you said, I do think the East, could be wide open this year. I just don't know that I'm confident that that Missouri has, you know, even with an offensive coach that has the offensive pieces to to take advantage this season. All right, we'll finish up a little non-Missouri here. Um, This is the last podcast we'll do before the last college football game of the year. Believe it or not, college football is actually still happening, even though the semifinals were played two and a half months ago. Uh, So LSU Clemson Monday night, what do you got? Oh uh, man, I mean, I guess I take LSU. Although I would, I would be terrified to ever bet against Clemson. Right. Like they never lose. Uh, literally, Trevor Lawrence has never lost. But <laughs> you know, after what LSU has done this season, I mean, they're just destroying people. They're not just winning. I mean, they they beat Georgia easily, and then they destroyed Oklahoma. And those are two very good teams. Those are those would be the probably you know second and third best teams Clemson has, has played this season. So I'll, I'll stick with LSU, uh, but I think Trevor Lawrence makes it close. I think it's going to be a really good game. I, I think LSU is the best team in the country. I actually think Ohio State's a better team than Clemson. I know Clemson won the game. I thought Ohio State was a better team. I think, yeah, maybe more talented, although I would, I would, I, would, I think I would st- you know, I would still pick LSU over Ohio State, and maybe with like the Clemson thing for me. For me, the the Clemson thing is just like it's ter- it's terrifying it's, to pick them to lose until I see someone beat right. them. It's the same reason everybody picked Alabama last year yeah. because yes, Clemson was really good and probably better, but it's Alabama. Right, right. So uh, it should be a good game though Monday night, and uh, football season will officially be over. Recruiting is obviously going to take center stage the next three weeks. Missouri plays Florida Saturday night. Um, by the way, there's supposed to be an ice storm. I think there's going to be 17 people there if Florida can even get there. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that this morning. Like, <laughs> I mean, do Florida they cancel should, a game for ice? Like, they have before, right. or they've delayed them. But I would think Florida is traveling Friday. You would hope, and the yes. ice isn't supposed to start till Friday night. So okay. I think they'll get here. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. My, Whether we can get there and get up the hill from the media <laughs> lot is, is another question. question. Yeah, yeah. I used to live close enough to the stadium to walk, not anymore, so I might not make it. I might just sled down Providence <laughs> yeah. but then be stuck at the bottom of the hill <laughs> and I can't cover the game. My one Florida stat that I, I did look up is uh, Kerry Blackshear Jr. is like seventh in the country as far as individuals who inability to draw fouls on other players. So Mitchell Smith and Reed Nico might foul out in like yeah. four minutes. I don't think that Jeremiah Tillman will have any fouls in this game. No, he's not playing. He's going to be gone for a while. So, uh, look, we've rambled on about everything we can ramble on about uh, unless you want to talk Chiefs-Texans. I'll leave that one to you. Yeah, I don't really want to talk about it either. I just wanted to get over. Uh, so thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. We might even plan something, but no promises.